This episode of Saturday Morning Rewind is brought to you by Voice Chasers. Find out more about the voice actor you hear on this episode at voicechasers.com. Voice Chasers, celebrating the art of voice acting since 1996. Welcome to Saturday Morning Rewind. A show dedicated to the love of animation and feeling like a kid again. So let's go back in time to when cats defended Third Earth. Sword of Omens, give me sight beyond sight. A masked duck protected the streets of St. Canard. I am the terror that flaps in the night. And knowing was half the battle. Yo, Joe! Let's go back with Saturday Morning Rewind and your host, Tim Nidell. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Saturday Morning Rewind, the show that takes you back to your childhood one interview at a time. Of course, my name is Tim Nadell. I'll be your host for this episode. Make sure to follow us online. It's SaturdayMorningRewind.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and also YouTube, of course. All of those links are on our website. Make sure to check out our donation tab if you want to help us out financially, because doing something like this is not cheap and easy to do. So honestly, even a dollar a month would really, truly help us out. And again, all those links are on our website, SaturdayMorningRewind.com. Okay, so for today's episode, I'm taking us all the way back to the year 1987, when I was seven years old and I first saw this movie called The Chipmunk Adventure. And I've mentioned this before, but Chipmunk Adventure is my all-time favorite non-Disney animated movie. That's why I'm so excited to have on the show today, Anthony DeLongis, who was the voice of Klaus, from the Chipmunk Adventure. Excuse us, but we couldn't help overhearing your conversation. I know she could win. Would you like to make a little wager? Why not? I bet a million dollars on this cutie. <laughs> he was also the voice of Marshall Johnson in the Red Dead Redemption game from 2010. Well, I'm sure you and your fine friends have enjoyed spending your time running around pursuing noble causes. My cause is to keep this town from turning into a living hell for the folks who live here. And was also the voice of Zygon, the bad guy, in 1985's Star Chaser. Behold, the great god of my world. (laughs) But his career doesn't stop there, and that's not where we stop talking to Anthony, because Honestly, he is one of the most interesting guys I've ever had on the podcast because he's done so many amazing things during his career. Uh, He was beat up by Patrick Swayze in Roadhouse. He fought it out with Dolph Lundgren in Masters of the Universe, where, of course, he played Blade. He trained Michelle Pfeiffer how to use the whip in Batman Returns. And also, he trained Harrison Ford how to use it in the latest Indiana Jones film. And that's only naming a few things out of this guy's impressive resume. Seriously, go check out his website. It's at delongis.com. That's D-E-L-O-N-G-I-S dot com. Such a great guy. Such a great interview. A lot of amazing stories. So here's my interview with Anthony Delongis. Saturday Morning Rewind is a show dedicated to our childhood. Did you enjoy cartoons and any uh, full-length animated features as a kid? Um, my mother was, um, she was something of a cinephile. I got my love for movies from, uh, from her. 
um, she always used to say that you know you've chosen the most heartbreaking profession in the world. Never <laughs> 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 had the question was, are you getting paid? Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, she had a love for old movies, and that uh, gave me a love for same. And that was you know my my early discovery of what I still consider to be the classics. You know the things from the thirties and the forties and the fifties. You know, particularly I like noir and I like westerns. Yeah. Um, but uh, yes, my. Uh, my 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 dad, um, you know, worked at Technicolor for like thirty seven years, and uh, wow. he had a friend at Disney. So when I would visit him in the summer, uh, he would get these sixteen millimeter prints of classic Disney cartoons, like you know, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. And uh, actually, my favorite Disney short is still The Wind in the Willows. You know, oh, it's a great with, one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Toad and Toad Hall, and Eric Bloor is the voice, and uh, uh-huh. and Basil Rathbone is narrating. You know, <laughs> a huge hero of mine because. Uh, you know, of all the swashbuckling movies. Yeah. And, um, but, uh, and Dumbo, you know, Dumbo was, uh, you know, and, and the Song of the South. I remember we screened the Song of the South at the house, which is zippity doo dah. Mm-hmm. You know? Yep. I love which it. You don't, you don't, you don't get to see much no, <laughs> anymore. They, I think they're kind uh, of kind afraid. Of, I was kind of going, I, I, of course, I was, what did I know as a kid? But I said, I, I don't remember any racial overtones. Exactly. I thought Uncle exactly, was yeah. the coolest character in here. <laughs> you know, he was the only one that had any sense. Yep, uh, I agree. But uh, it's funny, I, I these days, um, oh, I guess I've done like five Sheriff Cali books, um, you know, for Disney. And then they just, they just had me reading something about Uncle Bunny. Uh, and Find Your Happy Place was, uh, was another new one, which, and I'm going, uh, you're talking about Br'er Fox and Br'er <laughs> Rabbit here. <laughs> yeah. uh, so so uh, that, that brought back memories of my childhood. But my preference for cartoons, I mean, Dis- Disney had the feature stuff. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, of course, Fantasia's. Well, I, I rediscovered that in the 70s when I was in college. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we were, we, we were discovering all sorts of things. Yeah, I'm sure uh, you were. But it's, look at them colors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but... Um, they were Warner Brothers cartoons, you know, of course. Um, you know the uh, Chuck Jones and uh, Fritz Freeling, and um, you know the the animators over there because they, <laughs> even as a kid, I went, I don't think these cartoons are for kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, I quite like those. Popeye was an interesting, um, you know, it was, it was an odd thing. Uh, the the early ones were enormously crude, but you know, still sort of funny. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's an unlikely hero, I guess. But uh, it's funny, I haven't thought about this in, in quite a while. But, yeah, no, a buddy of mine and I were uh, uh, huge fans of Warner Brothers. And, yeah. You know, I certainly love Daffy. You know, he's, woo-woo! Yep, yep. I, he was my favorite Looney Tunes yeah. character as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I was really appalled when, I don't know, it was the 70s or 80s when they basically turned him into Albert Fudd. And I went, no, 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 that's not Daffy. <laughs> You know, the original Daffy was he was Daffy. He was exactly. Daffy. I was I, I'd always get depressed over Wally Coyote though because you know it's like stop buying from Acme and uh, <laughs> you know it. Uh, I you know, again I have a buddy who uh, you know we shared this particular love and we're also in the business together and I said yeah it reminds me too much of a metaphor for uh, career in show business. You, uh-huh. know, you work, you work, you work, and a big rock ball. <laughs> <laughs> How did you how did you dive into voice acting yourself? Was your first gig was it Star Chaser? Yeah, it was. Um I had met uh, the the, the uh, animator her name was Louise Zingarelli. 
who alas I've lost touch with. Um, but she had done. She was working with Bakshi, and um, I don't remember how we met. I think somebody said, you know, she does this, and you have a great voice. Yeah, you because know, uh, I started in theater. I started at the Old Globe in San Diego, and um, you know, I'd. Uh, I I graduated from North Richardson with a degree in uh, theater, which you know um, <laughs> I, I won't say that because it's certainly not a waste of time. It was where my craft started. Mm-hmm. Um, but you kind of go, yeah, well, <laughs> it was my mother again going, "You really should have something to fall back on." <laughs> <laughs> no, as it happens, I've been falling back on teaching for uh, you know about forty four years now. But then um, that that grew out of you know my my work as a storyteller and then you know my uh, trying to create more skills for myself and you know more confidence in my you know, physical persona and presence and so you know all the uh, martial arts and stuff that I've studied and it became a parallel career is when I started doing you know fight coordinating and um, you know being uh, being a weapons expert and. Um, you know, essentially being a fight director where, uh, and that's one of the things I specialize in now, yeah. uh, is helping, um, when, I, when it's not myself, cause I, I did this for me, um, you know, to learn to tell a better story and to utilize action, which is, which is I think one of the most powerful storytelling uh, devices that an actor and a director and, you know, a filmmaker can have at their disposal, uh, if they know what to do with it. Um, but it, uh, because it's visceral, but uh, any way, I uh, this gave, this gave me choices, and uh, you know, in your art is in your choices. The more knowledge you have, you know, the more choices you have. So it, uh, you know, it, it informed my own performances. But then, you know, I've gotten something of a reputation for uh, helping other actors make the most of their you know character-driven action opportunities. Because to me. Um, you know, the, there's, there's stunts, which is, you know, the high risk stuff you're falling, you know, you're falling off of buildings, you're, uh, being set on fire, you're crazy. Okay. Having cars, you know, run you over, <laughs> yeah. uh, stuff like that. That's, you know, that is, you know, definitely for the skilled professional who trained for that. Um, but to me, action, that should be the purview of the actor, um, that, you know, they, they should train, like when I trained Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman, that's all her with the uh, with the whip. It gave her tremendous credibility. It gave her tremendous confidence. And we were able to actually create things on the spot because she had such a strong foundation. Um, so it, uh, but that's, you know, that that's another layer of your performance. And probably one of the most valuable aspects of it is credibility. Because people actually see the, you know, the performer um, becoming the character and manifesting that character, you know, in the physical realm, which is really cool. Um, we've kind of, we've kind of gone round and around. What was the first question? <laughs> I think you pretty much answered a good part of it, but, um, tell me about working on Star Chaser. When we spoke on the phone about, oh, a, about a month ago, okay. you, so, you told me to check it out <laughs> and I'm glad I did because I haven't seen it before. Uh, well, I'm glad you did too. Um, I haven't seen it in a long time. I think I saw it. I, guess, I don't know. Time doesn't mean too much to me. I <laughs> try to keep it that way. But um, oh, five or six years ago, I saw it for the first time since we've done it. I mean, I still remember the recording sessions um, vividly. Uh, Louise had um, we met, and she liked my voice, and she kind of brought me, you know, brought a little voice sample because you know I didn't 
I didn't know how to do that stuff at the time. But, uh, you know, I, I had uh, I had a range of voices um, due to the stuff, uh, you know, the preparation that I'd done, um, you know, in drama school. And then when I started working at the Old Globe and I was doing a lot more plays in those days, um, so I had, I had a good instrument and, uh, and then she, she liked my look and she actually modeled, uh, I have a poster somewhere ah. in storage. Uh, well, it's actually a sketch that she did of my character as Zygon and you can tell it's me, it's, yeah. uh, which is, which is kind of flattering yeah. and a lot of fun for, you know, a young actor. But, um, so I was, I was doing that, that voice and that character and, uh, and then that led to uh, when she went um, when she did the Chipmunk Adventure. You know, she called me into uh, Duke's house. Ah, so that's the, how you the got Diamond it. Smuggler. Yeah, he's so very bored. Was he cute little chipmunk? <laughs> you still got it, man. You still got it. Oh, thanks. Um, so yeah, it. Uh, but yeah, Star Star Tracer was a whole bunch of fun. And I had no idea that we were sort of uh, breaking, you know, ground that hadn't been done before. So I, I just uh, I was appearing at um, PowerCon last weekend at um, in Long Beach, which is the 30th anniversary of Masters of the Universe. Uh, and we, we, we had a, uh, you know, Val Staples put on and his team had put on a really great uh, convention. I don't go to very many of these. Uh-huh. But this was the 30th anniversary, and Gary was going to be there at Chelsea Fields and... Um, uh, Bill Stout, you know, who was the production designer and, uh, and everything on that. And, uh, we'd had a screening about three years ago at the Egyptian, which was the first time I'd seen the film in decades. And, uh, <laughs> so, but anyway, we had, we had a very nice time and, uh, my wife and I did a weapons demo because when I go to these things, I like to do something. Um, you know, I'm, I'm happy to interact and, you know, sit and sign things and, but I, I'd, I'd rather, you know, be able to tell stories and demonstrate things. And, you know, it's, it's, you know I, I bring a variety of weaponry in, and we talk about it. Unfortunately, as Blade, I played Blade the Double Swordsman. Mm-hmm. I also trained Dolph, and then I'd, uh, uh, the coordinator says, uh, you're going to double Frank Langella. And I went, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I got time on my hands. And it was a good fit because I had trained Dolph, so he knew me. So, you know, he knew uh, he could focus on his performance and he wasn't going to hurt me and we, you know, we could, uh, you know, make, uh, make something happen together. So that was, that was yeah. a very good experience. Yeah. I just, I just found out that actually you in the suit of Skeletor, isn't it? In the last fight scene with, with Dolph. Uh-huh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and, uh, both well and see that therein lies a tale because, uh, you know, in both of those, um, you know, I, I trained him for a month and then I didn't see him for a month cause he was busy doing, uh, you know, first unit stuff. Uh-huh. And I kept saying to the coordinator, who I've worked for a bunch of times before, I, I, well, since, um, you know, I did secondhand. That was our first time together. It was Walter Scott, a terrific coordinator. Um, we ended up doing, uh, oh, The Magnificent Seven, and uh, I did secondhand Lions. I did all the flashbacks. So okay for oh, wow, okay. A movie I'm very proud of. Yeah, that's a good uh, one. It's, it's a lovely story. But uh, before we get too far afield, I kept saying, so when can I get down, you know, and see the location and I'll, I'll come up with the fight for you. He says, ah, we're going to have lots of time, you know, you know, we're going to be down there for, you know, weeks and blah, blah, blah. We get down there. What do you think is the first thing you shoot? The fight scene. I, I had about an hour, you know, wow. and I grabbed the dog and said, you remember that stuff I taught you about a month ago? <laughs> he said, we're going to do this and this and this. 
so that was the first fight scene. And then um, when we get to be Skeletor, uh, you know, it's supposed to be a fight with his you know, staff of power versus He-Man's, you know, sword. And um, I said, so I'm going to be fighting as Skeletor, right? And he goes, oh, yeah, yeah. So, so I put together some moves, and I don't, you know, I don't wushu, which is um, enormously flowery. Um, you know, um, you know, if you think of you like Jet Li and you know, who I had the pleasure to work with and um, Fearless, but uh, um, there's an awful lot of spinning that goes on. <laughs> uh-huh. Let's put it that way. Uh-huh. And but but there are times when you know uh, you do manipulate a staff or a spear around your body because it generates uh, power and momentum. So I had, you know, I I'd put together this fight that uh, was, was a pretty good little fight. And uh, then the day we were about to shoot, they said, no, no, this is after the transformation and you're wearing the headgear. So I'm uh, I'm in boots that don't fit and that, you know, have smooth soles <laughs> and the entire uh, set, you know, which was the biggest set in Hollywood, the interior set that I think I think had ever been built. Wow. Um, it was covered with this thin, <laughs> thin film of oil. Um, because of the, all the smoke that we're using. And, uh, you know, so I, it's nice and slippery. And then I've got this headgear on. And if you, if you were to put your hand under your, like your palm under your eyes and make it flat, I can't see anything lower than that. So Man. I can't see my feet. I can't see the stairs. <laughs> um, and then I've got on a headgear that looks like I'm wearing Elkhorns on the New York skyline. I mean, it is huge. <laughs> and I just went, well, all of that manipulating the staff around my head is out the window, isn't it? So once again, we had about an hour to put something else together and 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 do that in fight. But you know, we uh, I'm I'm surprised at how well the film holds up. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's it's won itself an audience, and there are parts of it that, that are really good, and every, every everything is practical. I mean, there's there's a thing where I ch- where I cut through a fence, you know, and it's just like they they gave it a quick spray of liquid nitrogen. Says, uh-huh. All right, cut through the fence. So. <laughs> uh, and and, he, and Gary mentioned, he says, "Yeah, we had two of those. You know, that, that's all we had." And he says, "Well, fortunately, we only needed one, wow. but it was just, uh, you know, there's 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 little moments of things that you know he told me. Robert Duncan McNeil, who uh, you know plays the boyfriend." Um, I went on to work with him again. I guest starred on Star Trek Voyager five times as Maj Pala. He was, you know, Lieutenant Paris. And then um, I guess the final time he was uh, one of the producer writers on uh, Chuck. And I came in okay. and died horribly for him uh-huh. you know, on, on an episode, which I've made a career out of dying horribly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, um, <laughs> you know, in, in this thing, I'm interrogating, you know, with evil Lynn. Gary had said, uh, Gary liked what I was doing, so he pretty much left me alone. And, you know, the, my character didn't, didn't appear in the He-Man lexicon. So I pretty much got to make it up, which I had a good time doing. But he said, yeah, give him a little scare. So I went, okay. And, um, he, you know, he's, he's lying with his back against essentially a wall. And I have these daggers that, you know, are in, in my leggings. And uh, they, they, they were real Gerber daggers. So, you know, I just kind of picked it up, flipped it, and then stuck it into the uh, wood about six inches from his head. Um, it wasn't, but I knew he was safe, and, you know, there was nothing that could happen. But he, he had a nice moment of going, what the? <laughs> <laughs> so, surprise. <laughs> yes, we're evil. <laughs> wow. 
It's funny because you said you said that how it still holds up and how it's gaining that following. Because when it came out, it was not loved by many, especially critics no, and no. you know the audience. Uh, but I do agree. I watch it at least you know once a year, and I love it. Oh, fabulous! Well, and and it's uh, it is a lot of fun, and it's a nice story. And I didn't find out until years later, you know, what that basically Can was going out of business, that there was no money, that. Uh, they they even there was there was even a day where the crew hadn't been paid, and they um, you know they they were going to walk, and you know Gary talked to everybody and said, well look we're we're here, um, you know uh, I don't know how but somehow you know Elliot Schick who was the line producer will we'll get we'll have the money by the end of the day because they hadn't made payroll, and uh, but while we're here you, you can, can we can we get the day because mm-hmm. you know they couldn't afford to lose the day we were we were at the end and then the movie wasn't finished and um and so the crew all said okay and you know we shot and we got the day and at the end of the day somehow he'd come oh uh, it ended up being Mattel yes who had you know okay. ponied up the money and uh, but just all these stories coming out I guess uh Gary in order to uh get the last because we still didn't quite have the ending and so he got, you know, uh, Dolph and I, and uh, you know, I guess Walter was there too, uh, and, and a cameraman and this, you know, this essentially cheesy light, you know, uh, light wheel, uh-huh. you know, the uh, in in the background, um, and we, and I guess he put in fifty thousand dollars of his own money, uh, you know, in order to get that one last day, which is the conclusion of the fight thing. With, wow. You know, uh, the sword going over the edge and Skeletor going into the pit. And actually, and I, I think we may have also been uh, the, you know, <clears throat> what has become the Marvel tagline where, you know, there's a scene after the credits. Yeah, okay. <laughs> because Skeletor comes up out of the, you know, primal ooze or lava or whatever the hell it is. I'll be back. <laughs> you know, and, uh, yeah, so it, uh, there's, there, there's a lot of things that, uh, you know, I, we had no idea. We, we, the actors, cause you know, Meg and Chelsea, uh, Meg Foster was there as well. You know, she's, she's really a treasure, but, um, the, we had no idea all this was going on while we were just trying to make movies. <laughs> <laughs> so, so they, you know, Gary, Gary and his team deserves, uh, even more credit for, you know, in spite of the opposite, because making any movie and getting it, getting it financed and getting it finished and Mm -hmm. getting it made and getting it onto the screen is in some ways, uh, the most creative aspect of the business, uh, you know, and just it's it's hard enough at the best of times, but when uh, you know obstacles are constantly being thrown in your path, and for sure, manage to surmount those and still come up with something. That, uh, yeah, so I've I've come to appreciate uh, you know everybody's uh, contribution and sacrifices to uh, to get that made. And I'm, I'm very pleased that you know people enjoy it. Yeah, exactly. Let's let's go back just a little bit to talk about. I told you before how. Chipmunk Adventure is my favorite non-Disney animated movie of all time. I watch it at least, I don't know how many times a year, because I have three girls as well, and they watch it all the time with me because they love it. So I've probably seen it over 100 times, honestly. Can, 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 can you send me a copy of it? I don't think I've seen it since it came out. <laughs> you know what? I can send you a copy. I have a copy of it. I can send you if you want. 
That'd be, that'd be cool. Because I know but it's I'd rare. Like it's it. it's it's harder to find on online. It's like over. Mm-hmm. I've seen some copies go for a hundred bucks. Oh my! Yeah. Goodness knows, I have I, I I can't remember ever getting a residual for that. Really? Maybe once twenty or thirty years ago. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but, I don't think, uh, I don't think it, it was fun. I had a great time. Um, the actress who was playing uh, my sister, you know, uh, I'd, I'd seen her. Oh, in a in, in a Greek tragedy uh, up under the pilgrimage theater, just uh, not very long before, and I had tremendous admiration for uh, you know her skill set. She has an amazing voice. Yeah, she does, as you'll probably recall. Um, and uh, yeah, so so it, it was it was a fun couple of days, uh, you know, doing our you know our uh, our voices for that, and then again, Louis Louis Zingarelli had brought me in and. Uh, um, yeah, it was fun. I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of sorry I haven't had an opportunity to come back and do, uh, you know, any other of the chipmunk things. But, you know, frankly, they, they haven't asked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so did you and Susan record your lines together then? Yes, yes. And that's, uh, it is always more fun that way. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I do, uh, well, I you, you play games, there's a game called Red Dead Redemption. Of course, of course. Oh, I played Marshall Lee Johnson in, which I really enjoyed. And was, you know, I'm very proud. Of that. I, I I don't play games. Um, <laughs> to me, life's not a spectator sport, and you know, I'm 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 out there trying to actually ride horses, <laughs> shoot guns, and crack whips. And you are you are playing the game in real life, then? Well, essentially, yeah. I'm yeah, but uh, um, I I had to have a friend play the game for me so that I could pull my scenes from it. <laughs> it's kind of funny. But uh, so, but I, I, I actually have a, a piece of that on my um, on my acting reel, if you go to my website, which is yep, I watched it. Yep. Yeah, so it, it's on there because I'm kind of going, well, shoot, this is one of the best Westerns I've ever been involved. I was very, I was very pleased um, to, uh, with their attention to detail because, as I said, uh, I love uh, I love I love the Western genre. I love you know, the classic uh, Western directors like uh, John Ford and Howard Hawks, and then you know almost almost a generation later we had Sergio Leone, and uh, and I was looking at this and just going, my goodness, their attention to detail in this is fabulous. And um, I'm trying to think who uh, who was the director on this. Uh, give me a second, and I'll. I'll figure it out. I'll remember. Um, he, uh, Rod, Rod Edge, I think. Okay. Uh, there we go. Yep, Rod Edge. Um, yeah, he's, he's, he's an English fellow. Uh, he had a very dry sense of humor. And we, we had a real good time. Um, and we, you know, we, we shot all the, you know, we're in funny suits. And it was performance capture, which is even more fun than that. Um, what am I trying to say when you're doing motion capture? Uh, motion capture is just, you know, you're, you're dressed like a mime in a leotard, you know, <laughs> with, um, little glowy balls, you know, placed in the, you know, where the joints and pivots are. Um, but performance capture, they've, you know, and they've got lots of different ways to do it. Uh, but in this particular one, I was sort of wearing bad orthodontia, you know, it looked like a uh, half space helmet and half, uh, you know, like I have you know, horrible braces with this big thing in front, which, which is funny because I was, um, I, I was actually riding the horse in, uh, in the green screen. Oh, wow. I knew who the, uh, Wrangler was and he knew me cause I, I'd, I'd actually, uh, 
fired live ammunition for a, a Gunny Lee Army show called Lock and Load, where I was firing a single action forty five at full gallop and you know hitting a target, which is harder than it looks. Um, but uh, he said, "Yeah, you know, Anthony's the only one going to be riding the horse, so you know, I'm riding the horse and rearing the horse and doing all this stuff on a carpet, you know, in a." In a, in a warehouse, which which was which is funny, but getting on and off, uh, you know, Western Saddle is a big. It's a working platform. That's it's designed that way, and uh, I, I, I have to be careful not to smack because this thing is sticking out, you know, ten to twelve inches in front of my face. Uh, you know that I didn't, you know, run into the saddle and uh. get hung up on the saddle with this thing on my face. But it, uh, what was great was it was performance capture. So, you know, I feel like, well, you know, I'm, I'm mildly animated, but that's still me and my performance, uh, you know, on the screen. So it's good, good fun. Nice, nice. You talk about being such a huge fan of the uh, Western genre. What was it like working with like a Western, you know, icon like Sam Elliott during Roadhouse? Oh, uh, Sam, Sam is terrific. Uh, I'd worked with him uh trying to remember which came first. Um, Buffalo Girls. I trained uh, Angelica Houston with okay. the whip for that. And I and I met him. Um, and whichever one came first the next time, and I hadn't seen him in a couple of years, and it was just like, uh, hey, Anthony, hey, Sam. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, what you see is what you get with him. You know, he's very, uh, you know, he's, he's very upfront. He's very much that guy. He's, he's a real straight shooter. He, respects the people that uh you know he's working with and that are you know helping him look great and um, it's just i i have a world of uh respect for him I, I, I wish we got to work together more often what's funny is uh, you know i uh, uh do a lot of voiceover or or at least i audition for a lot of voiceover sometimes <laughs> i get hired it's, it's one of the most competitive yeah, uh, it is. <laughs> kind of going okay well i'm i'm you know i i have my acting career and then and I have my action and fight coordinator and stunt career and, uh, and then, uh, voiceover. And I've always loved voiceover in it, even though I had done, uh, star chaser and, uh, and I'd done, uh, the chipmunk adventure. I'd done animated features, you know, with, uh, you know, featured roles. And I couldn't get, uh, I couldn't get the representation. And, um, that went on for, you know, about 20 years. And finally, uh, I don't know, maybe five or six years ago, uh, I'm represented by Vox. Uh, oh yeah yeah great guys they're they're a terrific group yeah Yeah. Tom Lawless over there uh Jeff Jones and um they uh they value and appreciate my versatility so they send me all kinds of stuff Um, you know from straight copy to you know commercial copy to animated stuff to game voices and if I have a voice for it I'll 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 send it an audition because to me it's um it's like a workout um I like um and I've always loved accents as an actor because accents, it, it changes my rhythm. So, yeah. you know, it helps me become a different character. A couple of years back, uh, uh, you know, I was going in to read for something, uh, a, a theatrical agent at the time, whoever they were, um, had managed to get me an audition. Uh, it, it, this is a goofy business, you know, I've got a... Uh, I have a body of work that I'm very proud of, uh, and you know I've uh, been involved in some wonderful projects and had some terrific opportunities, but I've never had a television series uh, or you know one a, a role that uh, you know was high profile enough to get uh, 
catapulted into the stratosphere of what they call star names. And, you know, most breakdowns now go star names only. It's kind of, uh, but anyway, we uh, I'd gotten in on this and I'd done a read and you know, and I said, uh, to the casting director, um, I, I also, you know, I do a lot of different accents. Um, you know, uh, would you like me to do this? And she's going, Oh no, no, no. We, uh, you know, we're, we're kind of, um, this is a soap opera. We're, we're, we're kind of known worldwide and we, we don't want to offend anybody. So we like to hire the, uh, you know, the, the, the real thing. And I, and I couldn't help myself. I said, well, you used to hire actors, uh, <laughs> yes. you know, and, and I'm thinking, well, he, you might want to mention that to Meryl Streep or, uh, you know, a long list of actors flew into my mind, but I could tell it was a, a losing argument, but it's kind of, um, you know, you, 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 they, one of the things, uh, you know, about, you know, having craft is you can transform yourself and, uh, you know, into a different character. And one of the ways of doing that is, uh, you change how you speak vocally and, you know, goodness knows, I mean, um, uh, Gary Oldman is, makes a very good American. Oh yeah, for sure. He's not American. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's a whole lot of Australians working here who, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> You hear them in interviews, and they, you know they all sound like they're from the outback. Uh, but when they're up on the screen, they're not doing an Australian yep. accent because somebody's worked with them, or you know, and so on and so on. So anyway, I was just sort of lamenting the fact that, uh, and you get to make the decisions on who gets hired, huh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, like my mom said, you know, it's uh, it, it can be a little frustrating sometimes. I know for sure. And th- that accent you gave Klaus from Chipmunk Adventure, I was actually shocked you didn't sound like that. Honestly, what are you talking about? That sounds like that any time you want me to. It is somewhere I think between a a Malina iteration. I'm not sure. Wow. Yeah, that's an amazing, amazing voice. Did you just come up with that by just looking at a picture of him? Yes. Yes. Uh, well, she, she, uh, I, I looked at the line of dialogue, you know, we're so very poor. I, again, I haven't seen this movie in 30 years probably. Um, but, uh, the, the way she drew him with those big, you know, sleepy eyes mm-hmm. and then their sense of, uh, entitlement and superiority and then that line of dialogue about, you know, and, you know, they're, they're so very rich and they're so very bored. <sighs> You know, I just went, okay, the, how, how do you like this one? And she did, so that was that was wow. what I did. Wow, it's it's such a great, iconic, you know, lesser-known role that I just love. Yeah, well, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let, let, let's, let, let, let's hope the word gets out. Uh, exactly. You know? No, exactly. Tell your friends. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk a little bit more about Roadhouse. It's one of my, like, guilty pleasures to watch Roadhouse. You know, even as a as a... I think I've watched it as a kid, which I shouldn't have watched it as a kid, but I love that movie. Uh, it is it is my cult movie. Uh, I, I get a little bit, uh, uh, you know, we, there's a joke in the family, I, uh, you know, that Roadhouse is always playing somewhere, you know, uh-huh. for a while there was on Spike or whatever that, uh, uh, hang on, I'm plugging my phone in so we don't run out of battery. <laughs> um, you know, that, uh, and, you know, so occasionally it'd be on, and, I, and I'd flip over to, oh, it's this scene, and then, and then I'd go, hey, wait a minute, there's there's another scene, because on television they you know they butcher it, you know, yeah, they cram in more commercials, mm-hmm. and so I just went, well, I'm I'm not going to look at it unless I can see the whole thing. 
so it's been a while since I've seen the whole movie, but, um, again, it was fun. I, I have a whole fight scene that's going on, uh, while Marshall Teague and Sam Elliott are fighting. Um, Patrick and I are fighting yet again over at the bar right in front of, uh, uh, Ben Gazzara. Okay. <laughs> and, and, and I, and I have some stills to prove it, Wow! but it, uh, yeah, it didn't, it didn't make it into the cut. I guess they figured that I'd been beat up enough times <laughs> by Patrick. Yeah. So in the film you play Ketchum, did you also choreograph the fight scenes? Um, no, that was more, uh, Benny or Keita's Benny, um, uh, you know, Benny, you know, Benny is Benny the Jet. Yep. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. And very, very famous, uh-huh. um, tremendous martial artist, uh, tremendous fighter. Um, yeah, again, the real deal. Um, and, uh, Charlie Paterni was the stunt coordinator on this. And he, <laughs> I, I remember my reading, you know, uh, they do things to you when you, <laughs> When you're about to go in and read for something, you know, uh, you're sitting in a room full of actors who are sucking up all of the oxygen, you know, and you're waiting <laughs> your turn and you're, you, you know, you, you have the briefest moments to try to create, uh, you know, something memorable that will get you hired. Uh, and my introduction as I walked into the room was, Hey, here's another black belt. Uh, Anthony <laughs> Delongis, uh, Delongis. Yeah. yeah, yeah I'm going, Okay, and thank you for that lovely intro. Wow. <laughs> but uh, it, it actually kind of means something to me that I achieved that. But yeah, uh, but I, I acted in <laughs> Lady Iago twice. Um, so um, anyway, Charlie, uh, he, he, uh, he had hired Benny to train Patrick, and uh, Benny very cleverly trained him to music because Patrick was a dancer. So... Um, and then he, you know, he put together the fights, and when... When they were played, like when he drags me out of the street and pulls my boot off, and mm-hmm. you know, we, you know, uh, have some fisticuffs there. Um, they had actually, uh, you know, he was, he was he was making a lot of contact to the body, which was fine because I liked the cues. But he he had a quality where he'd kind of dig the fist up underneath my uh, solar plexus, my manubrium, <laughs> and I went and says, "Patrick, I don't mind the contact. I I like that, <laughs> but stop digging up under my solar plexus because <laughs> it's unpleasant." And, oh, 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 you know. So, you know, and it's just, yeah, you know, it's like we're creating an illusion here, Patrick. It's not the real thing. It's, uh, he and uh, he and Marshall had just kicked the crap out of each other, you know, for their scene where the Marshall got his throat ripped out and all that. Yep. Um, yeah, they they somewhere along the line there was a misunderstanding. Uh, you know, I'd heard a story that somebody had uh, said to Patrick that Marshall. Marshall thinks you're a wussy, you know, and, uh, oh yeah, well, uh, so yeah, oh yeah, well, uh, you know, so, uh, they, they were both limping around oh, man. afterwards. Uh, Marshall is a, is a very intriguing fellow. He's been with the teams and stuff. And he's, uh, he, another, the real deal, a very nice man too. Um, but anyway, they, so, uh, you know, when I said to Patrick, uh, you know, uh, you know, just, just, just give me a cue and I'll react and, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll tell our story. And at the end of the scene, he goes, I love working with you. It's like dancing. I said, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's how it can be. So, uh, yeah, we had, we had a good time. I, uh, the, the, our last, that, that last little sequence with the, uh, the shotgun, you know, I had the shotgun and I have a full load blank in there and they want me to blow the, uh, that lampshade off. Uh-huh. So this is practical. And I'm thinking ahead because you want to try to think ahead. 
you know, as I'm coming in and, uh, and I'm looking around, I can't find him. Uh, you know, that's after we dig the dagger out of the, um, you know, the car that flipped through the air. And <laughs> the coordinator says, okay, you're going to stand here and you're going to shoot two or three times, whatever you can do, but then get out because this is where the car is going to land, you know? And I went, okay. And wow. so I'm there and, you know, I think, I think I get off three, but you know, with the, with the pump shotgun and then I move and sure enough, that's where the car, <laughs> <laughs> wow. but, I, but I'm firing while he's in the air. <laughs> I think I moved a little quicker those days, but I did it. <laughs> but anyway, I'm I'm coming in the room searching for him, and I went, okay, if he's going to come up behind me, and I'm going to spin, um, I'm going to spin anti-clockwise, and he's going to catch the barrel with his foot, you know, just like okay, uh, you know, and, uh, it, this, this was cooperative energy. But I'm also going, if I have the, you know, if I have the barrel pointed to the left, I'm leading with the barrel. Mm-hmm. So in, in the course of walking into the room, I shift the gun. So then when I turn, it's body first and barrel last. So that when, you know, if, if for some reason something had gone wrong, um, I wasn't going to blow Patrick's face off. <laughs> oh, wow. So I, I, I made sure that there was an extra bit of safety in there. And that's one of the things that I've learned to do. You know, all of the work I do is, you know, you, you build in safety factors that are invisible to the audience, but that, you know, help keep your partner safe and keep the crew safe and all that other good stuff. But that was a, that was a practical stunt. You know, when, when he stopped me, when I spin, he stops him with his foot. I pull the trigger and blow the lampshade all the hell. We really did that. So let's talk about one more of my favorite, you know, cool things that you worked on in the eighties. That would have been Batman Returns. Well, that's one of my favorites. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, uh, especially um, because of Michelle. Um, they, uh, I, they this thing came out. My agent called me up and says, "You want to, you want to go, uh, you want to, you want to teach Michelle Pfeiffer how to use a whip?" I said, "Well, yeah." <laughs> Duh. And, and I went in and um, uh, I showed the coordinator who was. Um, Max Clevin. Max Clevin was the coordinator. And uh, he said, well, let's see what you're doing. And so I took him out to this little grassy area over, um, you know, in the back a lot of Warner Brothers. And he liked what he saw. And he took me straight to um, Tim, Tim Burton, and Michelle, who was there for, like, one of her first wardrobe tests. And they were saying, and I guess I think Tim said, uh, well, we were thinking about giving her a cat of nine tails. And I said, uh, well... Please don't, because the cat of nine tails, uh, all you can do is hit with it. It's a flogger. Okay. And it has a whole lot of, um, you know, it has a lot of baggage, you okay. know, it, let's say. You know, but mostly it's very limiting what you can do. You can pose, you know, you can look sexy, you can slap your leg, you can hit something with it. And I said, here's what I do with the whip. And, you know, and then I showed him, you know, my system, which I was developing at the time. I actually created a more efficient, more effective, more accurate, more combatively viable system of the whip. The launch is rolling loop. Uh, but, you know, uh, because I, I view the whip as a uh, flexible blade, and so uh, my rolling loop actually stabs instead of just slashes. And then it also is, uh, I utilize it like a sword. I'm always behind my whip. I'm never yanking the whip behind me, like you know, most people do. Uh, so this was something that um, what it does is, you know, for a performer, it becomes about the performer and not just about the whip. 
um, cause we're, I'm always working within the confines of my own body, just the way you would work a bladed weapon. And so they, anyway, they saw all that and, um, I pretty much had the job. Um, and I started training her and, uh, I got to train her for almost six weeks. Um, and it was, it helped her a lot because she was working in three to five inch heels all the time. And, you know, by I, lowering her center of gravity and get everything to work from her core, it gave her a stability and a flow because the, uh, you know, the whip is all about flow and connection and sensitivity, or at least the way I do it. And, uh, she said to me, uh, you know, this really wouldn't have been as effective if you weren't an actor. Because um, ah. she saw I was trying to give her another, another language, another layer to her performance, mm-hmm. which she uh, certainly took advantage of. And we continued. Uh, I continued to train her throughout the shoot. Um, I, we we got that initial training time because they were shooting Danny DeVito out, and it was it was great for us because she developed such a strong foundation of uh, of technique. Uh, she was, uh, you know, she was being doubled in fights uh, by uh, Kathy Long, who's five-time world kickboxing champion. Trish Peters was doing, you know, the high, the high work for her. Okay. Um, you know, tremendous gymnast. Yeah, yeah. But Michelle said, I remember the first day Max was going, and this is, you know, uh, this is um, uh, Kathy Long. She'll be doing your fights, and this is uh, you know, Trish Peters. She'll be doing your stunts, and Anthony will be, you know, working with your whip. And, and Michelle goes, no you don't tell me, you know, uh, I'm going to do, I'm going to do everything. You know, uh, she basically said to me, you don't tell me, uh, you know, who's doing my stuff. Uh I tell you. (laughs) Uh, so she, she did everything she could do. I mean, she did all the fights with, um, you know, Michael Keaton. Uh, there's a couple of inserts with Kathy's kicks and you're kind of going, well, you got the five time world kickboxing champion. So yeah, go ahead. You know, it, it, it cut in well, and but Michelle was, was there, and Michelle would, you know, do cartwheels and this and that to get in and out of those tumbling sequences. But with the whip, it's all her. Um, none of the girls, none of the none of the stunt professionals got anywhere near her skill level. Uh, and I was, I was really proud of her for that. So we would literally walk on set and create. Um, we, we'd, look, we'd, we'd look at what the adversity was, and we'd turn it into an opportunity. Okay, there's all kinds of crap on the floor, so we're going to keep everything up, you know, horizontals and diagonals, so we can go around this stuff. Or um, we're just surrounded by things. So I tell the uh, the lighting crew, I need a 14 inch, you know, column between your lights, and then Michelle can work, and she doesn't have to worry about you. Um, I was I was very lucky. Uh, there was there was a day very early on where I wasn't called to set and she had a little problem that she said, if I'm on set, I want him on set Wow! because I could look at something and know immediately, okay, here's the problem. Here's, uh-huh. the, here's the fix. And yeah, now we can get back to doing a performance. Um, so I was able like the ice princess sequence where, um, uh, I got to set early and, you know, Tim Burns says, I don't think there's any whip stuff here, Anthony. And I went, Yes, sir. And I just kind of sat in the corner and watched them go through the rehearsal. The Ice Princess is tied up in the chair, and Batman comes in, and then, you know, suddenly Catwoman's there, and she kicks him away and, you know, cuts her out of the chair and, you know, throws the chair, and, you know, she has a line, you know, girl talk. And when they were done rehearsing, you know, they said to Michelle, because we, we had a very nice working relationship, um, and I could offer her ideas, you know, and, um, 
but that she took in the spirit they were meant, which is if this is a useful idea for you, uh, you know, uh, here's here's my thought. So uh, I said, you know, a chair in one hand and a whip in the other says lion tamer the world over, no matter what language you speak. Wow, yeah. And she goes, uh, Tim, Anthony has this idea. <laughs> <laughs> so basically what she did is she, she, she swung in on her whip, you know, kicked him away, slashed the girl free, dumped her out of the chair, threw the chair, cracked the whip, grabbed the girl around the waist, pulled her in for a two-shot for her line, girl talk, and they left. And we we rehearsed it twice and shot it, and we were done. Man. Uh, but we were able to actually create that because, you know, I could suggest something to Michelle, and Michelle could execute it. <clears throat> so that was, that was fun. Yeah, the two of you did such a great job because, honestly, even as a kid, I look back at that movie and – the most iconic scenes are involving Catwoman and her whip, especially the first time you see her with the whip when she's whipping off the mannequins' heads and that kind of stuff. Most iconic mm-hmm. scenes in the movie. And it, well, and I, I agree. You know, she is my favorite Catwoman, and uh, and you know, a tremendous respect for how hard she works as an actress. And but that she, uh, you know, she recognized what it was I was trying to offer, and she just committed totally. And and we were able to capitalize on that. And um, uh, I think, for my money, she's the best thing in the movie. And yeah, I was yeah. very disappointed when, you know, they did the new Batman with the new Catwoman. And, you know, I I, I love her work as an actress. Yep. Uh, but she has no whip. She has a motorcycle. Uh, yep, you know, yep exactly. Suit. It's like, eh, yeah, okay. <laughs> and you throw a couple kicks, that's nice. But where's the whip? Well, and the same thing with like um, Indiana Jones. You know, I got to train uh, Harrison. Uh, and I managed to get my reel to Harrison, and he called me up and you know asked me to come in and prep him for. He he could see the difference of what I was doing with the whip to come in and prep him. So you know, I got to train for about four weeks, and uh, uh, I didn't get to go with them for the whole film. So we weren't able to create stuff on the spot. Harrison did it all. Um, which is, you know, to his credit. For sure. But at the same time, you know, um, it, it drove me crazy that he has that big fight scene on the ant hill, you know, at the end. Yep. And he's literally stumbling over his whip, and I'm kind of going, you know, the other end of the whip makes a uh, mighty fine equalizer. Oh, yes. Um, just, uh, so, you know, and, and, and he does pick up, and he, he picks up a log, and it's like, why don't you use the whip? <laughs> uh, and I always had this feeling... Uh, you know that uh, because the whip is dates to 3000 BC in both the Chinese and Egyptian cultures that we know of. It's 5,000 years old. Uh, every culture that domesticated animals has had a whip, so it's always period correct. Um, I I always wanted uh, you know to be able to whisper in Steven Spielberg's ear. You you should have him you know brushing the dust off of some you know archaic piece of you know stone or pottery and there's somebody with a whip mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know which because this is his iconic character action prop the coordinator uh, again gary powell had said to me you know, he came in because uh harrison had hired me and i don't think that's that well with him but he uh he said oh, i just uh, you know you don't have to teach him too much i'm just gonna stick a handle in his hand we'll cgi it oh um, my god which you know, and I'm kind of going. Well, you know, don't you know, don't don't make that decision, you know, right away. You know, this is his character action prop, um, and they were they were very much into 
repeating what we'd already done. And I was kind of pushing towards, let's see something we haven't already done. Yeah. But alas, it was not my decision, so we didn't get to. But uh, that, but that's one of the things that I was proudest of is that I've created something new out of a tool that's 5,000 yeah. years old. And, and hope- nobody who hasn't uh, trained with me works a whip the way I do. If you ever saw Underworld? Um, oh, for sure, yeah. Uh, the guy who has the uh, whip fight, his name is Scott McElroy. Um, you know, very talented stuntman. And, uh, uh, he he was one of my students. People were saying, oh, there's a guy doing your whip your, your, your whip technique in this whip fight. And I, and I saw it, and I went, oh, yeah, that's Scott. That's Scotty. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, we just were working together right now uh, with Dan McBride, who's the uh, author of the films, uh, on a new project that we hope... Uh, and we, we just did something two nights ago where I was doing fire whip uh, with an actress, where I'm doing the same thing with the whip, except the whip's on fire. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I actually take a uh, flame, a, a sword that I've set on fire with the whip, you know, uh, and, and then um, we do a little bit, and then I take it out of her hand by wrapping the flaming whip around her hand and then yanking the sword out of her hand. You know, which means the whip has to pass between her and her face and yeah. all of this and wrap wow. around her. <laughs> and we shot it practically, um, you know, because there's something, you know, as, as much as I think CGI is a, is a delicious uh, condiment, you know, uh, but it shouldn't be the entree. Yeah. You know, in so yeah. many modern films, are, it's just like, oh, my God, you know, it's well, it's, it's a video game, yep. you know, uh, which means you don't get that same... Um, Ah, I, I, when, when I look at I mean, something Harrison Ford does really well, you know, I told him when I worked with him that you uh, you do every man extremely well. You look like an ordinary man in extraordinary circumstances, you know, uh-huh. and you rise to the occasion. Uh, and that's and you know, audiences love you for it. And you know, the, and I am the you know one of that legion. But it's uh, any time where you actually see the that that's why. Uh, you know, that's why I train myself and that's why I like to, you know, uh, when I offer a director and actor that I'm working with, you know, let me train you, you will have this foundation. We'll be able to create things on the spot. It will give you tremendous credibility and we get to shoot the actor doing it. Uh, and you watch, I mean, like Keanu Reeves trains very, very hard. You watch him in John Wick and you just go, holy shit. You know this. I, you believe this? He, he he is a little superhuman, but in in other instances, you want the audience to go, "Yeah, I could do that too." You want the audience to identify with the character and believe that they too could rise to the occasion, and that's that's what gets uh, audiences emotionally invested in characters. I think. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's exactly. my opinion. <laughs> That's not what I know. I'm only Klaus. <laughs> you know, I'm terribly rich and very bored. Oh, that's great. So what's coming up for you? Do you have any conventions coming up? Any other special events uh, you want to talk about? Actually, we do. Uh, Highlander Worldwide uh, uh. is next month, uh, October 20, 20th to 22nd, uh, here in L.A. And uh, I, I guest start on Highlander twice and uh, uh, have a grand time working with Adrian and my pal uh, F. Broad McCash, who is... Uh, you know, a uh, fight coordinator on the show, uh-huh. uh, sword master on the show. And both times I did season three, it was called uh, blackmail. And I played it. I was an Irishman, Lyman Carlo, you know, as a marshal. 
And um, uh, it was funny, uh, Adrian, I guess, had called producers. I didn't find this out until season five when I came back. But he said, this guy's really good. Do we have to kill him? <laughs> and he said, well, yes, Lyman had to die. And then I came back in, uh, you know, and like, you know, season four came, and I was kind of hoping they'd call me again, and they didn't. And I uh, got to, uh, you know, talk with um, uh, David Abramowitz, uh, you know, his showrunner, uh, and, uh, and uh, Gillian Horvath, who's a friend, um, and, you know, has become a friend, uh, who wrote the episode uh, Duende? But I said, "How can uh, you know? I love the show. Uh, any chance of coming back?" He said, "Oh, you were so distinctive. You did such a great job in this time. I'm an actor. I can be different." Mm-hmm. I said, "Well, if you come up with a story that we haven't done, well, they were you know coming up on season five. Yeah, what which means that's a hundred hours. <laughs> and um, and so I came in and I pitched them and I you know and I pitched them ideas. Ah, eh, we can't do that in season two. Eh, we can't do that in season four. And uh, no, I started that in season one. But then I pitched them, you know, the debt that could never be repaid. Um, and they liked that. And I had um, I had been researching this, uh, it's called the Mysterious Circle. Uh, it's uh, the Spanish had a unique way of fighting with rapiers uh, that went kind of virtually unchanged for about 300 years. Uh, which were ever you know, all the rest of Europe was uh, embracing the more athletic Italian uh, system of fencing, which is kind of what we think of as modern fencing with the lunges, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the Spanish uh, were um, much more erect. Well, uh, mostly the information that was available at the time was, you know, uh, people bagging on it. You know, uh, Egerton Castle, another historian saying, oh, it's too complicated and it's metaphysical and it's, you know, it's uh, it's a lot of bullshit. And I'm kind of going, well, something that doesn't work doesn't last. You know, it dies with the people who are doing it. Uh, And, you know, this system has been virtually unchanged for almost 300 years until that weapon went out of style. And then they still teach principles. I was using principles uh, from that system when I fought Jet Li and Fearless, um, which was, which was a lot of fun. But the, um, anyway, in this, uh, I, I had gotten to present to Robert Rodriguez, who was supposed to direct, uh, Zorro. Um, and this was the first time this would have been seen on film, but three days later he left the project and Martin Cavill brought in Bob Anderson and you're going, eh, Bob Anderson, what are you going to do? Um, <laughs> but I got a call a couple of weeks later and said, you want to go to Paris and, uh, film, you know, uh, Highlander and well yes I do <laughs> um, so they uh, we we got to introduce this uh, system of fighting that had never been seen before and what's fun about it is you're always at swords points you're always very close which for the technical aspect of it means you can shoot both people in frame the whole time um, so you don't have to do as many over the shoulders and cuts like that so that whole fight is done um, Braun and I co-choreographed it. Um, this was the it was the third time. Well, this was the second time and we were to do a, uh, something called Myth Quest later on, where Braun and I actually got to perform together. Because usually Braun and I would work it out, and then Adrian would step in and make a couple of tweaks on his part, and you know that we'd we'd shoot. Um, but it's one of the pieces I'm most proud of. It's uh, from an episode called Duende. It's season five in Highland. But we uh, we we did that in the rain on a very slippery surface in, in Paris. <laughs> and, wow! Um, had 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 a great time. 
So check I, that out. It's also on my uh, website, thelogist.com. Oh, Go to the nice. Swordmaster section. Yes, please, everybody do that. I watched the, uh, I don't know if it was on your website, but I saw it on YouTube, your, your whip demonstration that was on the History Channel. Ah, more extreme marksman. Yes. Okay, yep. It's amazing, amazing. Well, we were actually we were actually going, well, what could we do now? What we could do now? That whole thing of, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> a train leaves New York and a train leaves Chicago uh-huh. and they meet in the middle. Um, you know, we, we thought, well, uh, you know, cause you know, I, I proved the accuracy of the whip. I, you know, I cut the, uh, wick out from underneath the flame and, you know, and I, um, you know, I show, we, you know, I'm shattering some glasses, things and my buddy holds a wine glass and I shatter through that. And I said, well, let's make it tougher. I'll get up on horseback and I'll do three different angles as I gallop by. And we did that. And then uh, he had a target, and uh, he took off, and I chased him down from behind and cut the target out of his hand. And then we went, well, because we do this all the time with swords, you know, with lances where we'll, you know, charge by each other and and do something. But to have a whip crack in a horse's face, you know, know, virtually is, I'm kind of going, I don't know, well, um, okay, we have the idea. Let me, you know, let me work with the horses for a couple of days. And, you know, I got him used to the proximity of the whip. So, but I thought it'd be a tough shot because my buddy's starting in one spot and I'm starting, you know, a distance from him in the other spot. And we have to make all this happen underneath camera. And of course, you know, without hitting the horse, because, uh, you know, the, the safety of the people, the partners I'm working with, be they equine or, you know, human is uh, more important than, you know, our ego. Yeah. So, you know, uh, basically failure wasn't an option. And I thought, well, this is going to be a tough shot, but uh, let's give it a go. We did it four times in a row and I went, okay, well, this goes into the live act. So (laughs) now we, yeah, we've, uh, we've performed it live a few times too, Wow. but it was, uh, yeah, that was, and, and and it gave proof to the, the system that I do. Whether you're on the ground or whether you're mounted on the yep. back of a horse, it's the same. It still works. Yeah, for sure. It's crazy. So, Anthony, I w- thank you so much for your time. This has been a crazy, enjoyable hour just talking with you, chatting about your history behind the camera, in front of the camera, behind the mic. So, thank you. It's been an honor. Oh, thank you. Oh, oh one one other thing. Um, well, two other things. Okay. One is uh, the Highlander Worldwide Con, which is October 20th to 22nd. Okay. Um, we'll be there. Uh, you know, I had the great pleasure of guest starring on the show twice. Uh, and we'll be doing panels and stuff. But we'll also be teaching master classes. We'll be teaching uh, a master class in uh, the Bullwhip, which is, I consider, the, the supersonic flexible blade. And then I'll be teaching a double weapons master class. And then uh, my pal, Braun McAsh, and I will be. Uh, comparing and contrasting um, Japanese katana and German longsword. You know, and there's tremendous similarities between the two. Uh-huh. Um, and they are opening up the class to uh, pretty much anybody who wants to come in uh, as of, I believe, uh, the 1st of October. So I recommend coming and being a part of the whole you know, Highlander uh, reunion experience. But if you just want to come in for the classes, you'll be able to do that too. Wow. The other option is uh, people come from all over the world uh, to train with me up here at Rancho Indalo. And anybody who wants to learn the things that I can teach, whether you're a professional performer or just, uh, you know, you're a, a dreamer and, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, want to want to train to be your favorite action hero, <laughs> we can accommodate you. 
with uh, an action ranch vacation at Rancho Vandalo. Oh, man. You can uh, contact us at uh, you know, com. Wow. That sounds truly so amazing. So you should consider it. I know. a hell of a podcast. It really would. <laughs> <laughs> you know, here, I'm gonna... here I am, day three. You know, <laughs> I would definitely look into that. Slinging swords and uh, throwing knives. Wow. Oh, archery. Oh, wow. Yes. I, I, I'm going to write that down. I'm going to put that in my, my wish list, and I will do that eventually. Well, good. Uh, and remember, um, you know, this this is an investment in yourself. So exactly. don't keep putting things off to eventually the, that you should be planning on doing almost soon. Thanks for listening to that Saturday Morning Rewind. Please check them out on Facebook and Twitter. And that's all, folks.